0: AI really takes digital transformation to the next level of possibilities. Looking at AI in an industrial environment, it can do so much. You can have that in your your life cycle.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind Machines and the Gradient Descent.
2: Thanks for tuning in to our geeky podcast, where we present different perspectives on the fascinating fields of AI and machine learning, corporate craziness, passion for technology and the role of humans in it. Today, we're super excited to have an authentic and dedicated leader who strongly believes in strengthening the capabilities of individuals in order to make the organization more effective. And I'm talking about none other than Karen Florschutz, the CEO of customer services at Siemens. She provides innovative service solutions and products for the digital enterprise and focuses to help our customers increase the availability and productivity of their plants while reducing overall costs. That already sounds super exciting, so let's jump directly into it. Karen, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you and where do we catch you today?
0: Avery and Oli, I'd, I'm thrilled to be on the show together with go. you and um, absolutely happy to be here. Where do you catch me today? Actually, I am sitting in my office. Why that? Even with Corona, I know. But um, some things have to be done from here. Otherwise, I would be in my
2: home office. Yeah, that, it's such a snowstorm outside Um so, I hope you're cozy in your in your office, but let's let's start off with an easy question. And uh, we came across a quote from you, and it goes like this: Being courageous is acting in a simple and most effective way. What do you actually mean by that? And can you maybe share a moment in your life where you really had to be courageous? Absolutely. And thank
0: you for that that opening question. Well, that is one of my, um, you know, quotes that I use quite often. Why? Because I think nowadays it is important to think outside of the box. You need to sometimes be courageous to see that maybe you are not the best person to fulfill that job, to do that, and then step back, let somebody else go in the lead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, this is. Not in our human nature often. And if you look at soccer, you often see that, you know, people want to, to do that goal. But most of the times somebody else is even better positioned and they have the capabilities to do that even better. And um, so I, I think that is not a, a mistake, not a fault to sometimes be courageous and step back. But um, you have to do that and you have to act in a very simple way, letting somebody else go first or in the most effective way. What's best for the company? Mm-hmm. How can you reach that goal together? And um, speaking about that, a courageous decision, maybe something out of my past, I did a, a decision to um, put an organization um, in, in different buckets, so to say. So I, I divided a team because I, I felt that was the right thing at the time. Getting new information uh, and um, also talking to the people. Half a year later, they told me it's not working. The process is broken. So I stood in front of everyone saying, it was my decision and I take it back
1: mm-hmm. because
0: we have not reached the target together. And um I even said, admit it, it was my mistake. It was, um, you know, I I stood up and uh, said, let's change it back. And since then, it is working perfectly. So I think sometimes we have to do that. And um, this is why I put that quote in.
1: Yeah, I love the, the boldness and the open mind in that and the reflection. I love it so one of you goes you're in the service solution space right and products digital enterprise right how, how awesome is that so can you share with the audience a bit of you know what is the digital enterprise thing all about and can you share a bit of the, the mission the vision you know the aspirations you may have
0: absolutely well in the industrial world um, they are currently facing challenges changing challenges. Why? Because uh, we all know COVID was there and digitalization really took off. But digitalization alone is not really the game changer. Together with automation, it is. Mm-hmm. And that is where we try to, to navigate through these challenges to help our customers to get through these. Because most of our customers want to put the digital world and the real world together. What do I mean with that? For example, before you put a machine into a factory, you might want to, to really display the whole process and which part this machine is. And if you can do that by using a digital twin, um, doing that on, on your computer up front, the simulation, you then do not have to, con- to, to pour concrete maybe in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So you can actually simulate all that already. So the digital enterprise for me is really the vision of um, doing it, doing everything you want to do later on, already simulate it, do it in the virtual world before you actually do it in the real world. And by the way, our customers are also, because now with getting data out of the machines, they have so many opportunities Mm -hmm. and options we also need to think about our, well, our resources going forward. And I mean resources in the sense of human beings, but also resources like material. And all of us are interested that our world will still exist in a couple of years. So sustainability is one of the, the parts that our customers are looking into and that they are driven by. So you need to have a way how you can make that that virtual into the real world, but with less resources, maybe less um, um, plastic, things like that. And um, also what is really important to me is don't do it in a closed way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All our systems need to be open. We need to think about um, an ecosystem, Mm -hmm. using one another's strengths. You asked about uh, my quote before, using other people's strengths to get the best out of that. And that, for me, is the industrial um, internet of things that all is combined. And as I said, um, sustainable future going forward for our customers is in there.
1: I love it. And it's full-blown, right? And I guess that's also the full-blown, the key strengths of an industrial player, right? Such as, you know, just the Siemens family somehow, right? It's pushing, you know, you want to combine Absolutely. the physical and digital world. We do that on infrastructure level. We do that on industry, shop floor level. We do it on mobility level, um, you know, together with the partner. But I mean, that that's also a bit of, you know, in terms of tacky, IT, like, uh, you know, technology meets OT, operational technology. And in fact, it sounds like two different paradigms. In fact, it's also a bit of different mindset, maybe also different language, right, um, that we have when we talk to customer, or when we talk maybe also to geeks and, and nerds, right, on both sides of the ocean, right? What, what's your view on the paradigm? How do we, how do we bring those communities better together?
0: I love your your picture about these uh, two people or two parts on the different side of the oceans. absolutely. I think somebody who who grew up in the sh- on the shop floor has mm. a different vocabulary um, mm. addressing the, the the same topics as somebody coming from the i t world. But these two worlds now meet, and mm. um, of course, there are field devices, there are control units that operate on the shop floor, but they are now producing data and now you want to do something with that data so i don't think it is a paradigm really but it's it's more an evolution mm-hmm. because out of the shop floor, you suddenly then get data and you can do something with that. You can look at the new technologies. You do an integration of that data and somebody can help the guy on the shop floor to optimize his machine or mm-hmm. to do predictive maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, saying, what th- this machine maybe needs service in three days. Do you want to have an unplanned shutdown or a planned one? We actually can say, hey, we need to get people in over the, the the weekend. So I I believe this, you know, the different, moving the different protocols now into a a, a way that the IT and the OT can talk to one another is really a step forward. So um, I think there is a dictionary that was found for both parts of the, the different side of the ocean now to come together. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's, that's true, right? maybe we are the the, the ferry here and the, the ship um, moving on both sides uh, and, uh, but we're not only you know super passionate about you know IT and OT and, and data integration but also about you know AI and machine learning obviously as yes, we are a geeky podcast here. How do you see the role of AI currently in your organization? Can you share a couple of you know I guess you know it's hard to pick for you, but you know a couple of interesting u- use cases you maybe uh, are excited about.
0: Absolutely. And Oli, I started already with um, saying predictive maintenance. Mm -hmm. I think AI really takes digital transformation to the next level of possibilities. Looking at AI in an industrial environment, it can do so much. You can have that in your, your life cycle over the whole plant really to, to identify maybe where's a, a transporter bringing their products to, or where are they within the factory? Or as I said, how can you maybe optimize the power plant or the consumption in your plant? Mm-hmm. or Having really this predictive maintenance is the machine maybe it needs some service some service to be done, or is there maybe um, something wrong in the machine and um, really doing a, a scheduled shutdown instead of suddenly, you know, everything stops and you do not know where it is. Or also closed-loop analytics, really to optimize also the flow within your factory, to optimize your outcome, to see which parts do I need to tweak. Or um, I love the example always when you train a machine learning part, you normally do either it's cats or dogs. Mm. But what if a mouse comes? So training that model the whole time that, you know, you have the five pieces of salami on your pizza and not six or seven because you want on each slice of the the, um, pizza, one salami slice. And I think with AI and machine learning, we are opting that so much and it's it's really taking off. So I, I absolutely love it.
1: Oh, yeah. But you, you mentioned already, right? Shaping and, and moving AI and machine learning on shop level is a, is a different twist than, you know, consumer tech, I guess, right? Because, you know, we, we have somehow different demands and the customers as well, right? Because they say like, you know, we got to Siemens and it should be hardened, it should be robust, it should be, you know, somehow industrial grade. What is for you industrial grade? And maybe associated to that, you know, I uh, heard the term of trustworthy AI seems to play, uh, play also a role here.
0: Absolutely. And um, I think every one of us can relate to Amazon. When you buy something on Amazon, you normally get people who bought this, were are also interested in that and that. Well, if there is a mistake in the book, it will not threaten your life. Mm. Nevertheless, in an industrial environment, if the chemical that you, you want to put in, maybe a solvent, is in a different concentration, that can be life threatening. So AI needs to be very exact. The machine learning part needs to be industrial grade. So really on top of it, mistakes cannot be tolerated because normally they always have consequences, fatal consequences, or maybe an explosion will happen. So there you have to be really on top of it. So where in a private setting, we would say, okay, hey, Maybe a small mistake did happen and the wrong book was shipped. In the case of maybe vaccination, if the wrong vaccine is shipped, that can be fatal. Mm-hmm. So that is, for me, really the difference. And there we need to be really the ones that are providing AI or industrial-grade AI really to our customers. Otherwise, um, customers will not accept that.
1: True. Mm-hmm. Sure. True.
2: Yeah, it's um, a completely different story, right, um, compared to the to the consumer world in the industrial world. Way way more critical. And but Karen, I started off with a quote, and in on this podcast, and maybe you've noticed we're a lot into quotes. <laughs> you yeah. have, and um, there's one quote I bet everyone knows. It's as simple as short as the c- customer always comes first. It's a business mantra all this time. And to me, it feels like it is more relevant now than ever with increasing customer expectations. So companies nowadays have to deeply understand their customers to be able to create value and stay competitive. What is your approach to keeping the customer first?
0: I I love that quote because the customer really always comes first. And for us in customer services, customer is the first word. So um, we really look at what makes our customers successful. So we want to provide what makes them successful. And the first thing that probably uh, you would not expect is listening to our customers. We really, when we talk to them, the first thing is we shut up and we let them talk. What are their their values? What what do they want to do? What is hindering them maybe to even be more successful or more efficient? And um, really, we want to understand how we can provide the best solution or the best um, maybe ideas to our customers, to their needs, to solve whatever um, topic they might have. And we do that normally in a, in a customer co-creation. So really sitting down with them. And we have developed a, something called um, value hacker because it is really to, to hack into and, and, and see what is the value for the customer. And that drives us. So customer always comes first. Absolutely. And not making our customers happy is not an option for us.
1: Not true, right? And I think yeah, the Value Hacker Initiative is awesome, right? It's it's from the Nordics. I've, I've 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 had the honor to you know to to be be there around with the folks there. So that's that's super nice and super super nice spirit as well. But so if you look a bit back, the last years co creation was somehow the you know the the mantra. Let's say right, it's like hey, you know, do it you know together with the customers, but together with the businesses, and build prototypes maybe together. Yeah, co co create a certain solution and it's somehow I have the feeling it, it changes a bit from or it moves further, even more closer from, you know, co- co-creation, co-prototyping to actually co-exploration. So co-innovating, you know, together finding innovation parts, not only building things together, but actually, you know, building new things together and also innovating new things together. And that means, you know, we're moving somehow from a co-creation standpoint to a co-exploration Point right is how do you see that trend
0: absolutely um you're absolutely right and since you spoke about the nordics we have a great example where we really did a co-creation with the customer and that was um aqua it's a finnish fish feed producer and Mm -hmm. um they actually um you know started this digital transformation journey with us and and basically they came and they had some, some topics where they, they wanted to improve the quality, they wanted to, to increase the quality control, but through really not people being there, but um, through machines. And um, they really wanted us to look at their, their whole value chain. And it was for us really great because we could start with our CIO approach, which is consult, implement, and optimize. So we started out with a consulting as I said, listen to what the customer wants. And um, they, they basically explain to us what are their challenges? What do they want to achieve? And by digging maybe sometimes even behind what was their perception. Oh, I want to see that on a uh, spreadsheet on a um, dashboard. I want to have this and that. And But asking some questions, we found out what they really want to have mm-hmm. and came up with a roadmap with them. And then the, the next part was based on that digitalization roadmap, um, what do we need to do? What do we need to change maybe in their setup? Um, what do we need to connect maybe from, to get data out of the machines, um, You know, data, data management solutions? And um, building on, on the existing automation systems that they had and even connecting some competitor products. And in the implementation phase, we we did that with our service experts and um, putting Mindsphere, IoT platform, and and the whole nine yards in there, but on their existing um, system. So they didn't have to throw everything out. We just used what they had and build on top of that. And we are now in the phase to on a really constant basis with them to optimize to see where can we maybe tweak some of the process to get more productive or have more efficiency and they're very much since they they are they are working with fish so with products with food and beverage so they they really want to have a high quality so we are working constantly now with them on how can we maybe Change some of the parameters to have an even better quality on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, what I heard from the Nordics, Radio Aqua is a happy customer, and they love us um, to, to to continuously come back with them. And it's not a customer, um, um, uh, yeah, um, relationship anymore. It's more a customer supplier um, co creation, really. Mm-hmm we create with them and we, we find out with them and through them what else we can change and do. And sometimes they have some ideas and sometimes we come up with things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good way to do that. And um, the Nordic, the Finnish guys are very open to that kind of an, a co-creation.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're awesome. They are building partnerships instead of, you know, customer relationship. Or maybe, you know, that's the new yeah. name for that. <laughs> Love it.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's um like working together on the same level and towards a collective goal. What We often encounter also in the field of AI is that we explore a lot. We put a lot of time um, into the exploration. We build early prototypes, proof of concepts. But in the end, it's often very difficult to scale those proofs effectively. So from your perspective, what are the biggest obstacles that are holding AI back from really becoming productive? Can you share some best practices there? Absolutely,
0: yeah, and and I agree with you. It's um, I think we haven't used all the the um, AI to the full potential yet. But mm. also, it needs time. Companies are incorporating AI technologies already in their business operation, of course, with the aim to save money, to boost efficiency. Um, to generate some insights that they can actually generate some data and get something new out of that. But that, of course, um, you need the right experts to also read something out of that, to detect maybe whether this product still needs to have some uh, defect inspection or not. So scaling that currently for a lot of the customers is not really there yet, But we are on a very good path on using that. So um, if you look at what I mentioned before, unplanned downtime um, is really, from from a historic point of view, um, terrible for a customer. Because um, normally they have, when the factory is at a standstill, then they're losing money. So having this AI really helping them to to plan for the right moment when they need to have their their shutdown is something where they can really, um, you know, have more efficiency. And that is something that definitely can scale over different um, companies. So because they all have the same topic to solve. Nevertheless, please um, see also that, All customers have a different environment. Hmm. Brownfield and Brownfield is not the same. So there, of course, there are parts that you can actually already scale, but probably you cannot take it one, like um, copy-paste from Mm -hmm. one company to the next or one plant to the next. So you always have to do a little bit of tweaking so the sense of um, copy-paste is not really... Um, Not really given yet, but since everyone is working on that data, and also another part comes in, which is cybersecurity. So industrial security services Mm -hmm. needs to be also there. And combining that with the AI um, is also something that everyone wants to have, but you cannot have, oh, this is the box, just install it and everything will work. Uh, Hackers are getting smarter and they try to have new ways to get in there. And of course, the AI learns as you go along. So I believe it is something that has to be adjusted, but we will probably going forward, will have some parts that actually you can do copy paste with some integration going forward.
1: Yeah, wise words. Actually, right. But um, um, I think that's an enormous opportunity for, for the Siemens or for the industrial player overall, right? Making this ML ops aspect, making and shaping this journey for the customers, reliable models, trustworthy models, explainable models. You know, continuously learning models. That's I think a great stack. Um, you know, which which is demanded from large player like us, maybe, and you know, demand maybe also you know of value to the clients themselves. <music> But speaking of, of of partners and clients, right? I think you know there's a term I think from Morantix, uh, Rosmus, there is uh, like you know ecosystem is the new strategy, and in, in terms of you know speed and scale demands collaboration with a lot of partners, right? And especially, in, I guess, in additional in AI space, right? Uh, this goes cross boundaries, cross regions, cross corporates, right? And it plays more and more role. Can you? bit elaborate do you know what's your strategy mission or you know the role of you know the ecosystem or let's say the partnerships in the digital enterprise space on AI space from your side?
0: Well um, ecosystem for us is an enormous part Um, you need as I mentioned before sometimes you are the one that can lead the pack but sometimes you there's somebody else who can do it better than you and why not include that you know, company, that startup, um, that other partner. Absolutely. And also, um, you know, speaking about the artificial intelligence of things really mm-hmm. um, is a huge potential. And it has benefits, you know, coming from the edge to the cloud computing um, applications for all kind of, of manufacturers. And they're having partners Helping you to shape that, you know, um ecosystem, I think that is definitely where um, we do a lot for our customers because mm-hmm. the customer then in the industrial ecosystem can make faster decisions, more reliable decisions. Um also you can reduce the infrastructure costs if, for example, you do something if you think about an, an, an a smart factory where people can actually go in and say, I want to produce this part um, and I want to rent your facility or um, improve, you know, like a security architecture. If you have an ecosystem and several partners are working on the same part, probably, you know, swarm intelligence, um, a better architecture for security is coming out of that. Mm-hmm. So, I believe there is a lot you can gain actually by by um playing in in an ecosystem and um especially for for manufacturing go, coming from the classical part of manufacturing to a a smarter new generation of manufacturing but also as i said um all the the a i adoptions you will have in the internet of things mm-hmm. um, is 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 great so i'm a fan of of ecosystems and um, i always look out for partners even partners that maybe on on first glance you would say why would siemens services even partner with um, somebody Mm -hmm. like that so Mm -hmm. but i i see a value in different kinds of ecosystem partners to bring that to the party
1: yeah, that's actually true. And it's it's somehow a difference, right? If you go to, I don't know, in, in the consumer space and uh, social network space, right? This this data is being generated there and it plays within one platform, let's assume it right there. If we talk into somehow clients' values um, and, and, and applications, we enter the shop floor and in the shop floor, then the client says, and here is Bosch and here's ABB and here is Schneider and here is, <laughs> right? So, And that means, you know, we are, you know, this is, we are anyway, you know, if you provide and any Value added solution to a customer, you need to integrate with a lot of partners anyway. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, but th- nevertheless, I, I had a feeling if I talk to colleagues also and say like, "Oh man, we're doing that with the hyperscaler here, and we're doing that with the hyperscaler there." Um, you know, what is our competitive edge here? What would you react to that? You know, it just seems like you know if we do all things together, what is then now a USP? Do we have a USP?
0: Absolutely. We do have that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I hey, we're so, right? <laughs> there.
0: And um, no, for me, honestly, we have everything in our, our basket, really, to offer um, end-to-end services. Mm-hmm. And customers, like nowadays, are looking less at, I want to have um, this product from Bosch, and I want to have this from Siemens, and, mm-hmm. and this um, maybe from, from Rockwell. They they look at their, their whole value chain and they mm-hmm. said, I need a solution. I need mm-hmm. something that works and that gets me in a better position. So looking at that really from a holistic digitalization approach, we have all parts we can provide to the customer. And as I mentioned before, the CIO approach, with that, we can actually drive out from the customer what do they want to achieve and how we can put our services to work with them? And mm-hmm. what do I see? Our USB, I think we are, since we are already coming from a break-fix mentality, we are already on the shop floor of our customers. Mm-hmm. They see us as the trusted partner. Mm-hmm. And we also bring now this digitalization part with them mm-hmm. so we can talk products, we can talk process and we can talk enterprise with them. Mm. And, and I see that is the value because the customer knows we have the hardware, the software, the services and the solution. Mm. Um, it doesn't all have to be our old products, but we actually can connect, can combine their brownfield and, and scaling it up the way that our customer is part of that new digitalization world and can even do their own steps in that. And our claim really is service is more than you think because most people, when they think of service mm-hmm. and you asked about the USP, they think of these guys in the blue ovals mm-hmm. doing break-fix, <laughs> um, something is broken, maybe the coffee maker and hey, please correct it nowadays um people yes there are still people doing that but they also have a growth mindset thinking about what else can we do to help the customer to achieve their goals to be more efficient to be um knowing what's going on in their plant and um helping them so i think we as siemens has have a huge usp and as a service hey
2: we enter it of course and services mm-hmm. more than you think. There you go. I'm I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> Good, great, <laughs> very nicely put. And what you also just mentioned was that um, our customers um, really see us as a trusted partner. And I feel like customers are getting increasingly more sensitive and aware about their data. And a lot of regulations also only underline that, like the EU's GDPR. And um, so they push for higher data privacy standards. And how do you deal with this? issue of data privacy in the area of customer services? Is it somehow a limiting factor that blocks data-driven insights, or can you leverage it to position us as a trusted player in the market?
0: Abari, that's a very good question. And honestly, um, there's often the fear from customers. um, If I connect now my facility to a cloud or Um, to the internet, whatever that is, Um, hackers can get in and they can steal my secret recipe. And I think for that, we have industrial security services, exactly to take that pressure off the customers, to um, offer them a solution where it's really secure, where either their data is pro- protected in the cloud, or when they want to use edge computing, we have it re- really um, on, on the shop floor. So it's on premise. And um, customers are getting more and more used to that. And um, of course, they ask that nowadays everywhere. And um, But they, they also want to make sure that Nobody can actually see or or do something with their data unless they give the permission. And I think that is absolutely correct. You do not want anyone to mess around with your data. So um, I think our customers are correct on that. And um, just to give you an example, I was talking to one customer who is a utility um, company in the US, and they told me, um, before they were um, always their plants were always shot, and now you probably look at me like, "Oh, shot? Yes, shot with a gun." So people shot at their facility, um, and and three years later they they noticed people are not shooting anymore, but they are starting hacker attacks hmm. because they want to um, you know get down their their power plants. And um, then he said, well, and first it was a couple a day. Then it became 80 a day. Nowadays, it's more than 8,000 attacks a day. So having security of your plant, having security of your data is something that drives our customers. And having these kind of services, we absolutely built this trusted relationship with our customers because if they are not secure, their data is not secure, how can I fulfill my promise that mm. uh, customer always comes first?
1: The world, wild west have moved into the digital arena. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We now talked a lot about customers, of course, about Siemens, but now we also want to find out more about you because um, you held various leadership positions in different departments for several years. And for us, and I also guess for the audience, it would be highly interesting to know from a power woman, from a very inspiring woman like you are, what really makes good leadership and what distinguishes management alone from authentic and inspiring leadership. First
0: of all, I think um, a, a good leader needs to enjoy working with people. If you don't like people, from my point of view, you're not a good leader. You need to be authentic. I believe you need to be approachable. Mm. And you need to shape a vision. You need to, to be able to come up and say, that's the North Star. And, and make it as vivid as uh, possible. You don't need to know how to get to the North Star yet. But work with your, your, your people on that. Um, I believe you need to have a growth mindset. Not just thinking always in one direction, but really out- open your mind outside of the box. And you need to empower people. As I mentioned before, sometimes maybe one of my staff is even better positioned than me or has more knowledge so who am i then always to say i need to be the front runner no empowering people donate talent to other parts of the organization i think that is what makes a great leadership
1: yeah that's awesome let other people shine right is the, the secret source uh, somehow yeah. Right. But if you if you look back, right, it's it's somehow easy, not not like easy said, right? It's a continuous change or we are in there. But if you look back in the in the early days, maybe student level or you know early professional level, um, is there any advice you would have heard, you would love to have heard or known before? Right. Um, um, in in terms of you know that, that would that would be helpful. Maybe that can be also shared with the other folks because sometimes you know if you join a large organization, you have this politics, you have this you know stuff going on, you have this push and pull, and sometimes it's it's getting complicated. So it's you know sometimes it's it's ain't easy pushing innovation in large organizations. Right. Any any good advices you would have heard back in the days?
0: Absolutely. I think um, one thing definitely is believe in your ideas. If you believe this is the right thing, then talk to people, build relationships, build, I always say build bridges, not walls. Hmm. So try to, to find people that also have the same thoughts and ideas. So absolutely. And for me, one thing, um that i heard while i was um still a student um, i was working for a company and um, or i did a project with the company and the the owner of the company said to me karen if you have to do a presentation in front of a large audience just imagine them them all of them in their bathing suits because then they all look the same and you will not be afraid mm-hmm. so um, doing that just gets you a little bit of a laughter and then you will rock the show.
1: There you go. That's why you're now comfortable. But I'm I'm super well trust you see me in a video, right? <laughs> 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 just kidding.
2: And and you rocked this show for sure. It's been such a pleasure. Time was flying with you. Thanks so much for sharing all your insights and experiences with us. But before we finish this episode, we want to play Authentic Autocomplete with you. That's our final game. Um, so I will just give you a couple of sentence starters and you will have to finish. Karen, are you ready? Absolutely. Let's go. Perfect. So let's start off with an easy one. Siemens is? The greatest company. Beautiful. Technology with purpose is? For me to deliver
0: solutions that not only address the customer's challenges, but also serve for a sustainable future.
1: That's a nice nice, crisp version of it. Thanks.
0: Customer services is? It's going to be the place to be, to work, because we look at the customer's topics going forward. You're really good at this game.
2: My favorite (laughs) ice cream is... Chocolate chip cookie dough.
1: Oh, I love it. (laughs) Nice.
2: The best (laughs) advice I was ever given was... If it's no fun, why do it? Yeah, Totally agree. And last but not least, if I could change one thing in the world immediately... It would be, I would definitely get rid of COVID.
1: Oh, oh that's, yes, that's true. Here we go. <laughs> oh, hopefully, we'll, we'll reach an end or let's say, reach a uh, next normal uh, soon. Karen, thanks so much for being you know with us and being though open and, and passionate, empathic, and sharing and spending this. You know, I know you're busy, busy person, busy talent here, and though we highly appreciate your time here. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you, guys. It was a real pleasure. I enjoyed it.
1: And folks out there, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. I don't know what, but we'll we'll see it. Stay bold, committed, and open-minded. And we're here at the next Siemens E.A.L.A. podcast. Cheers.